0: Odo is some murderous goo. He went to gooville and did what the murderers do. Woo. He went to hell and discovered more goo. Pretending to admiral the crew. Woo. Used to have neck tricks to do. Now he pretends to take sips of the goo. Woo. He don't give a fuck about none of this shit. Deep Niner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight.
1: Alright. Hello and welcome to... The Rules of Acquisition podcast where we will be going through every single episode, every single season, every single bit of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, the greatest show that's seriously about to get greater. Yeah, yeah. We're we're (laughs) on the event horizon. of. Yeah, we are. Yeah. (laughs) With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and yes, we are at the end of season three.
2: Yes, we are.
1: The point where we're, we're going to get all our new listeners from all you people that say, don't bother with the first three first seasons. Three seasons
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't
1: <laughs> pick it
3: up till he gets the goatee in the captain's chair. Right, well, but he's are. got the
1: goatee. And you should watch some of this because you should listen to our podcast. Yeah. But there's good stuff even outside of our podcast. There's good episodes in there. If you want to know which ones, you can listen to What the fuck am I doing? You're already listening.
3: Yes. <laughs> okay. Listen to all of our shit. All <laughs> of this. Is- Tell us about this episode, Hunt for Red Tober.
2: <laughs> yes. This is episode 26 of season three. It originally aired June 19th, 1995. It's called The Adversary. The Defiant is off to show the Federation's presence to the new Zinkethi government while underway the ship malfunctions and repeated instances lead Cisco to believe a change lanes on board, engaging in sabotage. That's right. So, right off the bat, what did you guys think of this episode?
1: Oh, I... I. Oh, awesome. I like this episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I like, I like this episode. I like this
2: episode a lot. Uh, I I, I, yeah. uh, I was fine with it. It didn't blow back my hair, but I was fine yeah, with yeah.
1: it. Yeah. I think I'm more with you. Really? It's fine. Well, I'll save my reasons why when we get to the end of the episode. Okay. Yes.
3: See, I thought, I thought this would be a... Uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear this because I thought this was going to be a boring podcast of us dick sucking this episode. And, oh,
1: I, I mean, I don't have bad things to say about this episode, but uh, wait till the end of the podcast. You'll know why what my thing is. Okay. But I will say, I mean, the way it started off, it starts off with like, oh, is go dying? Is he qu- quitting the show? <laughs> it's this final commander's log. Right. Yes. But no, it's not that he's leaving the show. The show's not ending. Or maybe they, yeah. No, it's definitely not ending. The show has four more seasons. He's finally not a fucking commander anymore. Right.
3: I have to say that the writers, the writers room was worried because they had a cliffhanger story that they made them change, that Paramount made them change and they okayed him making Cisco a captain. So they were they were worried that Paramount was Oh, that like they're gonna let Paramount was about to let him go. Oh, yeah. Especially since Michael Pillar was off the show. So there was there is a little Why did Michael Pillar leave the show at this point? I think he went on to write. I mean the, the movies, the T N G movies and stuff. I think there was just generally just a disengagement by Michael Pillar and into doing the movies, and I guess maybe Voyager. Okay, there was a sense that Voyager would be the main show. Well,
2: at this point, what was he mostly responsible for creatively? As, as I mean, he the was show. the he, he was he's
3: credited as a creator with Rick Berman, right? But and he ran right, the first two. But he ran the first two up until like three episodes ago is when Ira Steven Bear took over the writer's room. Okay, so wait.
2: wait Ira Bear didn't take over. it. Maybe we could blame Michael Pillar for some of the stuff we don't like about this show. Early
3: on, when we started season three, and everything that I read season three, we all talked about Ira Steven Bear taking over the, the, the show role. And though he did have a growing presence, he didn't officially get it until the episode... Before, like, I think the die is cast. Oh, really? Which is when the show tonally shifts. And also, because Iris Stephen Bear and everyone in the writer's room wanted to push it to serialization. And, you know, like...
1: They got pushed back on that until they were like, oh, we're doing Voyager. Yeah, and
3: they, got, they were getting major pushback on that from Paramount. Then you have Voyager. Then you have, like, TNG movies. I think that generally they felt that maybe there was... Some disinvestment, which allowed for them to have freedom to do whatever the hell they wanted, but could also lead to, you you know. Right.
1: All right. You're done. Or,
3: yeah. Can, yeah. Like, it's nice that Paramount doesn't give a fuck what you're doing on your show,
1: <laughs>
3: as long as they keep renewing it at the end of each season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was that that was the turbulence. That was the fear that they hit. Is that maybe the show is going to get canceled or heavily shaken up? So they were a little nervous, but I don't know how nervous. Not a nervous enough to care. And right. obviously, there were some changes to the structural changes to the fourth season. Yeah. I mean, it does get uh,
1: shaken up to a bit, but yeah, they're good. yeah. They're, it's a good. It's a I like those changes.
3: But oh yeah. yeah, it doesn't fundamentally change where the show is going. Right. Like it doesn't become a show about something else. So that those fears were unfounded, but those fears were the active fears at this time.
1: Sure, sure. So, Yeah, like oh, this is a great way to end that. He's finally a captain. Yes, (laughs) and (laughs) then
3: and that last, it's like uh, where does Sulu finally get command? Is it in Generations Uh, where they put yes
1: of the Excelsior? Yeah, they put him on screen and
3: they go, "Hey, look, Sulu's a captain."
2: Yeah, and then he gets to be a captain (laughs) in one episode of Voyager. Wait,
1: oh, Sulu? Yeah,
2: yeah, because Tuvok served on on the Excelsior. Yeah, no,
1: but he was in Undiscovered Country. He's a captain. He goes and saves Kirk and Bones from the prison. That's right. That's it. Okay. Yeah. That's right. right. He's the closest when Kronos or the moon explodes. Yes, you're right. He's he's piloting, he's captaining a ship that's nearby.
3: But I'm, I'm right at Sulu's on screen briefly in generations, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: He was one of the two or three that showed back up. Maybe he
2: was like an escort ship, and I don't. I think he was in. I don't daughter remember.
3: Daughter was on the
2: Enterprise.
3: On the yeah. Cam- Cameron from Ferris Bueller's right. Command. Yeah.
2: Who that captain has got a, his own store, like comic book store. I saw him on
1: cover of a comic book. Cameron. Wait, Ca-
3: Cameron, Captain. Yeah. Captain Cameron. They did like <laughs> a, they fine. did what they. IDW... Are you surprised
1: that there's like 15 books written about him? Seriously, James?
3: <laughs> no, the, the comics though. That that's a lot of you got to draw those and
1: color them. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, there's plenty
1: of references. Exactly.
3: <laughs> no, but um, yeah,
2: I think IDW did a like a series of one shots of all the obscure captains. Oh, and well, like Cameron the was... Kel-
3: Kelsey Grammar captain. And oh my gosh, I yeah. forgot about Captain Toss Salad and scrambled eggs. He was the C, right,
1: Captain of the C. Or the Enterprise uh, C, yeah. yeah the, uh, I don't yeah, know. We're, yeah. we're going down a right. Oh, yeah, we should talk about Israelites? this episode. This episode is <laughs> yes. not
3: unimportant, so we should.
1: Yeah, this no, is yeah, a very but, important episode. We should, I mean, just talking about him being captain.
2: <laughs> we have five minutes of this episode where they just talk about pips. <laughs> yeah. How good they look.
1: <laughs> pips, well, my whole thing, especially on the second time, was like, wait a minute. They couldn't get an admiral or anybody here. The person that gives him his commendation is, like, his son? Congratulations. Captain Sisko. They just like, well, yeah, I, they mail the pips from that he got it with a submarine in the back of a uh, boy's life or something.
3: But then the Doogie Hauser's boss shows up.
1: The ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. So he ambassador Krijansky. Krijansky, yes. <laughs> yeah. He shows up, but then does he? Spoilers for the end of the episode, well, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's but, like it's a mail order captainship, like oh,
3: uh, oh, you're saying lo- you're saying logically, no one really showed yeah, up. Yeah,
1: he's as like oh, it's a big deal. It's a big ceremony for him to become a captain. Except it's like in the break room at D S nine and they just like they just like, Oh, my son gets to give me these put a like a round little thing on there. It's, it's a big deal, but it's like
2: But that's the point of the show, Wade, is that as far as the Federation is concerned, somebody did show up. They thought that, that person was a legit
1: person. They? <laughs> yeah, they thought that yeah, it was because but the Federation because didn't it, even know about it. They Because it. Odo's
2: <laughs> lost in translation moment at the end oh, were yeah. <laughs> because no, right, right, no, no, that's the hook of the whole show.
3: I know, but- Is like, that, that but,
2: they're but, everywhere and you don't know who's who. So as far as the Federation is concerned- He
3: knew, yeah. All yeah. right, let's open the
2: kimono a little bit. The guy turns out, the guy who's there, the guy's a changeling and he's the one sabotaging the Defiant on their mission, mm-hmm. trying to hurl the Federation into a war with the Zinkethi government. For what ends-
1: Which is never shown which, up.
2: Well- I don't. Have we heard about the Zinkethi government before this episode, Wade?
1: No, I. I looked into this. Sorry I, to steal your spot here, James.
3: No, you're fine because <laughs> I did none of this work.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> the Zinkethi have never. They've never appeared in Star Trek before. This was created for this episode. It's
3: a pure retcon of the because that because Cisco fought in the Zinkethi War. Yeah, he talks about
1: like, oh, I haven't been to the Zinkethi since the Zinkethi, the, the last Zinkethi war. Not even the Zinkethi. There's been multiple mm-hmm. Zinkethi wars except they never been mentioned in Star Trek before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Federation apparently just goes to war with everybody like we didn't really get a whole lot we knew there was a Cardassian war back in the day we don't know exactly when it was we just know that o'brien fought in it and then um yeah the the last zinkethi war happened and also so the federation for being all peace and love like they go to war a lot
3: i yeah but i don't think i think it's because they're peaceful within themselves and they're not they're not isolationists,
1: I guess. So you no, they're they have colonies everywhere. So.
3: Well, that and you have yeah, you have to like not only to protect the colonies, but I guess that they are go they there's like a NATO. I guess the federation is like NATO, and I'll go ahead to like stop the Serbian massacre or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Trigger warning for Serbian massacres. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, like so, I assume that that's what.
1: They're doing right, so yeah. The what happens is Admiral, I mean Ambassador. There's not an admiral there for his promotion. Yeah, Kerjinski takes Cisco off and say, "Hey, the zinkethy had a coup d'etat. The Zinckethi Altark, which was ruler of the Zinckethi, has been deposed." And Cisco gives him this like little aside. Oh, I bet nobody's missing the Altark because everybody knows about the Altark. It's never been mentioned before. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a lot of just,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, so they're worried about the situation, so they're going to send the Defiant out just to patrol the borders because the Federation has colonies out there and they don't want the Zenkathie to go fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. And so they're just showing, uh, it's a show of force. And so they go out there and then, yeah, hijinks and Zisu with Changeling stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the Zenkathie have never been mentioned and then actually, Robert Hewitt Wolf, uh, this will tie into our book club a little bit that we've talked about actually. The Zenkethi are, Robert Hewitt Wolf thought of the Zenkethi as a hybrid as the Kintzi, which were the cat aliens from Ringworld, the animated series. Oh, Oh, yeah. And so Zenkethi was a, an amalgamation of Kitsi from Ringworld and then something else from like Ultima Online or something. A video game. Oh uh, <laughs> Ultima
3: Online. Yeah.
1: So and he <laughs> and he pictured the Kethi as big lizard people, not cat people, like in the animated series, and also Ring World because Larry Niven wrote the episode of the animated series with the cat people, the kitsy. What? Yes. Yeah. Ronberry brought Larry Nivens to write an episode because of a short story. And Larry Nivens integrated some of his known world mythos into the animated series. So wow. Yeah, the see show up in the animated series of cat
3: yeah. if I was in the writer's room for this show, I would hate Robert Hewitt Wolf
1: a <laughs> yeah, lot. He's I? the nerd that knows all this <laughs> shit that we're just picking up. Oh my god. Okay, that's oh my god. And see the whole time I am just sitting there,
3: it's like uh, like I was just happy Michael Eddington just showed up again. <laughs> yeah. Commander Red Herring is is on the, on the bridge again. All right. So
2: Michael Eddington has a scene where he talks with
3: I what's going on in that scene? What was the purpose of that scene? <laughs> uh, the,
1: yeah, Eddington he's
3: Commander Red Herring.
1: I mean, it's still, I, I did like actually it kind of bookends the whole season to an extent because everybody's brown-nosing with Cisco or just congratulating on his promotion. And Odo is like, I don't know what your humanoid obsession with rank and promotion is, but you know what? Congratulations. And then Eddington, who in the first episode after <laughs> the Romulan comes in and says, I'm not here to make friends, all reality show-like. <laughs> Eddington comes in and says, well, I'm here to make friends. And then in this episode, Odo says, I don't understand your obsession. I'm not obsessed with promotion. And then immediately after, Eddington comes in and says, as someone who is obsessed with the promotion. <laughs> well, as someone who is obsessed with rank and title. Congratulations, Captain. So it's kind of. I
3: think. OK, so there's a little bit of a weird story there is that they cast the actor who plays Michael Eddington to be like, a, I think everybody in the system thought he was a normal person. Kenneth Marshall is his name. They thought he was, like, a normal guy, and they wanted to cast a normal guy, and... Turns out he's a weirdo. And then everybody on, like, the internet, like, on Prodigy Online or whatever the fuck people were doing in 1994, 1985, were like, this guy is a creepy fucking weirdo. What's the deal with the weirdo? And so... He is. They kind of wrote him out of the show because it was such this adverse internet reaction. <laughs> and I think this was at the time where, you know, like... Robert Hewitt Wolf is on Ultima Online while people are bad mouthing, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in the chat boxes, bad mouthing Michael Eddington. So I mean, they're they're highly integrated with their fans from an online perspective, and so they stopped it. And then they were like, "Well, let's just play with it and use him as if he's he's such a creepy fucker. We'll just use him." as a creepy fucker. Wait a minute. Let me ask you
2: this. Do we think that the Michael Eddington actor goes to the Star Wars convention and is the one guy that's not selling <laughs> headshots and... Everybody's just like, ew, you're great. The crap. Michael Eddington line at his table is just like, there. there is no line. Yeah, like, I don't
1: know. It's like, I don't want them to want me to show up at their table. <laughs> He's like, most of the guys are just nice and everything, but this guy seems to want it too much. I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's uh, It's something about him doesn't pass the uncanny valve. Like, you know, <laughs>
2: like yeah and does he have a fake british accent no he's
1: he's got some american he just
2: enunciates yeah
1: he's just uh, enunciating a
3: yeah it's weird though he was he was classmates at juilliard with tossed
1: salad and scrambled eggs <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> and robin williams oh wow oh you're not joking i'm not fucking joking nope <laughs> kenneth marshall yeah he met scott i think he's personal friends with scott bacula i don't know he's he's a working actor or he was I'm trying to look at anything he's been in recently, but I can't... I mean, he was in episodes of Baywatch and Hunter, which I never... Which I forgot about until I just read it now. The show Hunter. He's in Crawl. Ooh, I love Crawl. He's in Crawl. He stopped being in things in 2003, which usually means he died, but I can't... Mm. I think maybe he's just... He's- Selling insurance or something. I don't know. but anyway, or teaching <laughs> or something. Yeah, or... Yeah, or...
1: I mean, he's probably listening to this podcast right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My, uh, <laughs> Give us a call, since, Michael
3: Eddington. Michael Eddington, call us. We don't think you're creepy at all. <laughs>
0: no.
1: <laughs> we love you.
3: But obviously, uh, so they're using him in this as a... You know. Yeah, yeah. They use him as a red herring through the whole episode.
1: All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they get on... Like we said, they go out in the Defiant. And then, then it turns like way back in season two I I think I referred to one Odo episode as trying to be like the thing
3: yes yes yeah
1: well it it goes full isolated they were
3: openly aping yeah they were openly aping the thing in this episode yeah yeah so in fact they could have pushed up more <sighs> yeah
1: yeah they pushed it more in that alternate episode I thought tonally than they did in this one
2: well I noticed the music in this one
1: more oh yeah than I normally
2: do I thought the music was effective I usually don't Uh, it doesn't register whenever I'm watching the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like wallpaper. Yeah. yeah. This one I usually, they're actually sort of evocative. It
3: had a pretty interesting, I thought that it had an interesting approach to how it was filming yeah yeah i made a joke about hunt for red october or you know and i think it was a lot like that yeah probably more than that than the thing to me i uh, well
2: you know what i liked about this episode is and this is what irritates me you know in other sort of shows where trust is an issue or any sort of whenever there's a problem presented and the audience can think of the simplest solution but for some reason the people in the show never do mm-hmm. and what i liked about this was like they're like well You're obviously not the changeling to Cisco Mm -hmm. because you're bleeding. And then they're like, oh, why don't we all just, you know, draw some blood? Mm -hmm. That was a satisfying scene to me. Yeah. Yeah. That little bit of problem solving. And
1: just going forward, like a lot of stuff in this episode sets up the rest of the series very well. Like, bleeding becomes an issue. Yeah. Just note, did the bleeding thing remember that? Mm And even before they get on the Defiant, actually, they they do more putting the pieces in place with Cassidy Yates. Yeah. Where Dax is asking him, oh, did you see her yet? And then he's like, oh, we've only been on one date. And she's like, no, you've been on three. And, you know, they're just setting that up. Yeah. And then also the blood thing. And and then at the end of the episode, the big moment is also very important. Well, As the end of the season episodes have been, like in the season two, we got the Adar, which... We haven't seen since the beginning of this season.
3: really. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a good reminder of how dangerous it is. Yeah. But, like, and specifically, they're obviously, they're pretty into the how dangerous the changelings are. So so they're doing that a lot.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Oh, but my th- my favorite thing, bit of growth in this episode is going back to the Cassidy Yates. Uh, Dax is talking about, oh, when are you going to see her next? And, and he's like, oh. oh, he's got a date planned where they're going to go to the hollow suite and watch the 1968 World Series, which, okay, fine. But no, no, you don't understand. No, not
3: okay, fine. That's where, uh, that's uh, Bob Gibson. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, no, no. What I'm impressed <laughs> is they... F- wasn't it in the
3: 1964 World, it was World both, Series? was both, wasn't it? Well... I don't care. Actually, keep I going. don't. Keep, make, keep making your point. Keep making your point. I don't point. even
1: give a shit about the World <laughs> Series. They've cracked the code in relationships on this show finally. They're not going on a goddamn picnic.
3: You're right. You're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. They're not.
1: They're not it's not like, oh, they have something. They're not just a bland, oh, this is what dating and romance is about picnics. It's like, no, they're about people with their own <laughs> wants and interests. And his is baseball. And they have that in common. And the 1964 series is, okay, fine. 1968.
3: 1968. They were both the they were both the Cardinals. They were both high. Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. That was the year that they ended up having to lower the mound, but raise the mound because the pitching was too good. Bob Gibson pitched three games that series and uh, won two of them with an ERA of 1.67. That's insane. Yes. So anyway, I,
1: I, I guess that's yeah. I don't know what those numbers mean, but I'm a. I'm a saint. It, me, it,
3: it it's means impressive. That it, it's a near superhuman feat. Yeah, that, I'm a big Bob Gibson. Fan. I'm a big uh, St. Louis Cardinals guy. So and, uh, and th- the th- other th-
1: thing that they mentioned when they're talking about his promotion, Dax is like, "Have you told Cassidy about your promotion yet?" And it's like, and he's also like, "I've barely had time to tell my father." And um,
3: oh, you're right. That it's dead. That is the first time that it is mentioned that that. His father Joseph's, is alive, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. And no mention of any brothers, which he's mentioned before. Yes. Which Okay.
3: And now I will say that that's a throwback to the way the original episode, like I said, it was written with a cliffhanger. It was actually a totally different script that they use later in the show, so I don't want to go too detailed into it. But they use the entire script later. That involves Joseph Sisko, the, the dad. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that was the original script that they... The posed was going back home and meeting Cisco's dad. So he would have went back. That's why it's in a broom closet. I just put that two together. It's because they didn't have a good idea. He was uh, going to go home to get promoted.
1: Oh, yeah. And then okay. the plot
3: unfolds. Yeah. Oh, so I, I think I know exactly what episode. Yeah, you're talking you know about. exactly what
1: you're talking about. It's the one where uh, they go back to her. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So they and that ended in the cliffhanger, and that's when Paramount overruled it. Oh, okay. And so then they had to write the submarine. Yeah, the yeah. Submarine Gone Quiet episode. So. Yeah. So I like, particularly, I think I want to highlight, I think Kira is really good in this episode. Yeah. It's a little thing because she's not important. I mean, she's not like a key character in the episode, but her interplay, she's dealing with this heightened stuff and the suspicion and all of this sort of intensity, but she you can tell that she really worked on her char- like she's worked on her character quite a bit mm-hmm. to where now everything she's doing is is kind of low key with all of her stuff with Mat the barber who's not Matt the barber but is mm-hmm. you're saying that she can modulate she can modulate and everything that she does in that inter- that tense interplay between her and Matt the barber the
1: bolian yeah
3: the the bolian is is all very sort of subdued and and, and interesting yeah like, yeah he and, doesn't and even
1: it, have a name in the <laughs> if you're watching the <laughs> subtitles it just says the bolian the bolian or, or Boolean, but, you know, whatever.
3: M- Mott's brother. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but, you know, because he goes, I don't, she goes, you don't trust me. And he goes, I don't. And she goes, I know how you feel, you know. And it's just, it's yeah. very sort of. And
1: it's full the thing where, like, anybody could be the monster.
3: Yeah, and it's just, it's downplayed. And it's downplayed a lot like, I guess, in the way they play it in the thing with Kurt, you know, because it's Kurt yeah. Russell and Keith David and neither one of those are. Oh, both of those are cool actors, yeah, yeah, and and even Wilford Brimley, and like everybody's <laughs> kind of cool in that movie, and it sort of sets the the horror as being that everybody's response to it is kind of low key, yeah, yeah, and kind of fun. So it, like that that adds to the tension, and I think that Not a Visitor season one. Would have been like, oh, of
2: course I don't touch you. <laughs>
3: and like yeah, and, yeah, and she yeah. and she didn't do that. And it, and she and it was it's a full character. It's it's what you want. Yeah, yeah. In these shows. She's got like four lines, none of them are super important, but she's got a thing to do, she's got some business, and she does it really, really well, and it draws you in and you feel that it's a character that has a place in the show and not just a, you know, you like it when it cuts to her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to call out that I thought she was particularly nice in this.
1: Mm-hmm. I think every, nobody's doing a bad job here. Everybody's pretty good. Yeah,
3: yeah, it is. Yeah, n- there was
1: no. I'm just setting you up to say Bashir sucked or something, but no, I think he was fine too, right?
3: He was fine, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, no, he. Uh, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of business around him, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, no, I mean, I think he did it all fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. He meets, like, O'Brien is in a Jeffrey's tube fixing something, and then he hears a noise. It's very you know, horror movie stuff. And then Julian comes up and he's putting something in the medical bay pod for a new console, blah, blah, blah. And then O'Brien checks his work and he's like, Oh, well, okay, those extension courses are pretty good for an extension. And, yeah. and then, so you're setting up who is going to be the monster here. Eddington has another scene where he goes and is all wormy and slimy to Cisco again, where he's talking about, Yeah, I, I really agree with uh, that thing that O'Brien said back there. Was like, yeah, you said it the first time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's also really wormy to Odo later.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he's like, What
3: would you be doing? What would you be doing if you were wanting to? Yeah, know? yeah.
1: And he's like, oh, yeah, can't you just tell us they're your people? He's being a little bit racist. Oh, like, yeah. You know how your people talk, right? And Odo's like, yeah. no, I, I wish I did, but I don't. Right. Well, that's too bad. And he's sweating and it's like, what, you don't sweat?
2: You're basically saying if Eddington was the, pre- the president of the Federation, he'd, he'd put Odo in charge of public housing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know how your people are. <laughs> you know. Right. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. Everybody's right. got different gifts public buckets anyway <laughs> um so but, uh no, yeah okay so the, i have a nerd quarter bit it took me like a minute to like i knew i had a nerd corner going into the sun it lit my mind <laughs> is this the first time that they've dealt with the idea that changelings cannot be scanned while in their state
2: um i think it came I up think once think before it came
3: somewhere on. i feel i feel like
2: it, i feel like it was almost like a reminder like hey remember that when i'm a thing i'm a thing yeah
3: that's how is that not dumb
2: they're almost magic you're almost magic
1: if you can do yeah yeah odo did a sounds- whole lot of work you know like he's been a rock but like have you been a rock man <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and i get that, that but i just thought that like surely we can spectral scan and we know what stars are made out of from like how can you not tell if like a bit of goo is looking like a rock or is a rock.
1: It's like, a little weird because, you know, they talk about his DNA.
3: Are they changing like, on an elemental level? Right. Yeah,
2: that's what he's proposing. Because yeah. they scanned as human so he had like human organs and he, which doesn't make sense because... He can't eat, when he, he can't
1: they've he... talked about his DNA in the med lab and stuff. Ah, so so weird. You know, like, O'Brien, when they had that last the Lovecraftian horror one in season two where, and then O'Brien's like, oh, your DNA does blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, if they're doing scans of bodies and he's human, that means they can change to replicate human DNA.
3: Even. So in all intents and purposes, they are human at that point.
1: Right. Yes. But I mean, so like, this is like getting all hung up on that, what the universal translator, angry nerd how come Klingon speak Klingon? And not just it, how come Klingon isn't translated when Klingons speak Klingon? Get, it's
3: sure. It's a, but I'm saying that they make it this convenience that that if you think about it for more than two seconds, it's pretty silly. Yeah, because I can buy that he's a bag of goo that's in the shape of a rock or a person or. Redacted. (laughs) I, I, I can buy that, but if you were to cut it with a sword, you cut into the ball of goop. You don't cut into like a thing. And so that's what I don't really get. Why can't the scanners pick that up? And I know why they can't is that because we need stories.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like, space magic, James. Like space magic. Yeah,
3: I, I get it. And that's fine. That You hand wave it. It really doesn't require you to think as much like most people don't run a deep space Nine podcast where they got to like think of this shit. But that really, when you think about it, like for more than two seconds, that makes no sense. Yeah, and I, I mean I'm fine with it. I'm going to leave it. I mean I'm not. It's not <laughs> right. like some, right. something something should be fixed. We're going to we're like,
1: going to finish this show, and we're still going to watch it, yes. and we're we'll probably still like it given these.
3: Yes, but it is it is nonsense. F- yes, it's nonsense. But I'm fine with
1: it. Yeah, I mean my only nerd question was like, this is a Federation ship. How come Kira still gets to be second in command? But I guess there's this. They do that in Star Trek all the time.
3: Yeah, they did it in Enterprise.
1: Yeah, yeah. But again, so this is all nerd corner stuff. Yeah, this I,
3: I, I assume that they have like a they have like an exchange student type <laughs> right. situation for her. That's what they do with Flocks and Enterprise. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you know, I could see her being second in command on on DS Nine, but she's in a Federation ship now, so I feel like it would fall to Dax or somebody else. But again,
3: you're. I mean, you, you, it would be an interesting complication right if she wasn't allowed yeah entry onto the 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 vessel you know
1: (laughs) but it's it's too convoluted to like spend a minute of your 44 minute runtime trying to do that and she's like she's yeah she's second in command she's gonna be second in command the end yeah
3: Yeah. (laughs) yes yeah yeah, enough people are are not watching the show because it's complicated (laughs) right right they don't need more complications Yeah.
1: yeah so yeah they're they're doing the whole thing they they know that something's Oh, yeah, and then there's some parasitic kind of thing taking over all the ship's systems. They don't know what it is, and then they realize that they can scan for Tetrion particles on everybody in the crew because O'Brien's done his diagnostics. They know that the problem happened after they left the station, so whoever the saboteur is is still there, so they're going to scan for Tetrion particles because they were too close to the warp core or something. But uh, this is also Nerd Corner, sorry. Nerd Quarter uh, sidebar. <laughs> tetrion particles are the go-to particles for Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
3: Yeah. They do. Uh, it's very key to the settling of Bajor, I guess. Yeah,
1: and Tetrion particles were, I feel like those were also in past tense. Anyways, sidebar over.
3: Oh, is that the, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. techno Babel they can scan for.
3: That was trapped into the ablative armor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that happened. And then they scan, and then, then you, they figure out that it's a changeling. And then we go full thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's the, you think it, they set it up to maybe it's Eddington, maybe it's Bashir, and then we know that it can be anybody.
3: Yeah, maybe. so he does, he, it's a pretty clever little thing, and they end, it culminates with this sort of interesting thing where, like a good O'Brien moment, I thought, was, uh, a. <laughs> He's trying to get control of the ship, and
1: that's his, his mission. He's got a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah. He's going to get rid of the force fields, and he's got seven minutes before the self-destruct sequence.
3: Yeah, and so there, he's got to do all this stuff, and the self-destruct sequence.
1: Alpha, Cisco, Beta 2, Beta. <laughs> so
3: he does that, and then while he's in there odo jills into the room and then another odo jilt so they're, they're chasing the two yeah so you have this classic chase off and so both are trying to convince o'brien that they're the real odo right and my favorite thing is that is just kind of like i don't give a fuck like
1: yeah i'm like, just gonna
2: finish my job that's how you know it's the real odo yeah.
0: yeah
1: and then o'brien is even like man i can't deal with this right now just yeah. keep a phaser on both of yeah. them i got work to do i've
0: got more important things to do than play choose the changeling
1: yeah,
2: maybe that's my one knock about this show, about this particular episode, is that for as freaky deaky as things were getting, it doesn't feel like their the tension was really ratcheted up very much.
3: Yeah. It was I, kind
2: of logy, I guess.
3: See, I didn't find it logy. I just thought that they were underselling it. And I like that at this time. Yeah. yeah. Normally I don't normally like there's loginess like that. Right. That untapped potential of open-ness. Oh. But like for some reason on this episode, it didn't bother me. And I think it's just because the general plot was kind of working. It didn't bother me because, yeah, the plot was, everything was tight enough.
1: Yeah.
2: That yeah. But it, I think there was a general, I don't know, no, it, there wasn't a whole lot of weight to it. it I yeah, guess, that's I kind
1: know. of where I fall on it. I really. Like, All right.
2: Well, I didn't want to tip your hand.
1: And then, Sis- yeah, O'Brien and Odo is like, oh, you went kayaking. And the other Odo is like, yeah, and you left the fort behind. And the other Odo is like, yeah, fuck you. Everybody can tell that out.
3: Mm-hmm. I got to finish my
1: job. Yeah, and then, then, so so they're Choose the Changeling or whatever. I don't have time to play Choose the Changeling. And then they use some state-of-the-art morphing technology (laughs) to morph (laughs) Odo, and and he knocks out O'Brien and knocks out the other guy with the phaser on him. And then then at the beginning, when they were confining people to quarters, Eddington is passing out phasers, and he's like, you sure you don't want one to Odo? And Odo has, earlier on in the episode, Odo has said... I've never felt the need to kill anything, and I've never needed a weapon. And then she gets real at the end. There's a changeling fight, and they've never hurt each other. And changeling fight means they absorb into each other. and They they tickle each other's (laughs) insides. Yeah, and then... O- Odo overpowers the other changeling, and they've had to disable the the force fields. And he this is the first time that the warp core room and the you're right,
3: you're right. That's the first time we saw it in the has, Defiant. That, yeah, the
1: first time this set has shown up. Yeah, because they need it for the climax where Odo puts the other changeling and burns him up onto the warp core and kills him. And it's the first time a changeling has ever harmed another.
3: It's a, I guess it's a testament to the stability of these engines that routinely people get thrown on them. And it doesn't cause knock or turbulence or
1: anything. Right. Like,
3: like they just basically, yeah, they just work just fine. Disintegrating people or not. So I, I think that that... Well,
1: usually they have a force field around it. And yeah. And Brian's had disabled it. So that's why. And the room's going to heat up, he says.
3: Oh, it is getting hot. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right that they're doing all of this stuff. So yeah, no. What do we think about Odo killing people? Like making a big deal about not killing people and then killing...
1: It was a little like weird to me that like how
3: <laughs> it was a little low-key
1: yeah like how, out of the, how how big a deal it is that odo has never killed anybody and how accidentally he just happens to kill this guy with without you know like i think he made a choice to kill him right well if he did it's like that was the choice he made with no other options
2: wait a minute then how did the storytelling like and that's the thing about the storytelling Is that it wasn't clear to me whether he made a choice or
1: whether they just kind of stumbled around or if he had
2: no choice. I think
3: at the end, I think it's that he had no choice. And I think that the scene where he ends and he comes in with Cisco and and they're all celebrating and he tells them the secret. I think I got the feeling and I, I don't have any textual evidence to back this up.
1: But I just got the general feeling that Odo's like, oh, yeah.
3: I, I, I made a side, I called, I, you know, I joined a side.
1: Yeah. And he's totally haunted and by the fact that he actually killed the guy. And I guess we should
3: say this is, this is a huge deal.
1: Oh, it's, oh yeah.
3: As uh, like in the show going forward. So the show going forward. I mean, they've set We're up not gonna say You are not going to say two seasons from now. You remember when Odo killed a guy and nothing came of it? Like yeah, shit comes of yeah. it.
1: I mean, they so, since the beginning, yeah. since they met any other changeling other than Odo, one of the First rules the changeling set up is that no changeling has ever harmed another changeling. Yeah. And I'm with Hugh. It seems like it doesn't they should have made that more dramatic because okay. it felt like was it an accident? Did he say, I don't want to kill you? Or he says, I didn't mean to kill you. But it, it doesn't seem like he was left with no. It doesn't seem like he made the choice. It just seems like it was a dumb accident. And if it's a dumb accident, it should have been played up more. Well,
2: here's the thing, though. That's why the scene at the end should matter. It Whether or not it was a choice should matter at the end. Because if you think of human society and our biggest taboos, if we were in the workplace and we broke one of our biggest taboos, like say cannibalism, <laughs> and everybody at work knew about it, and then you show up the next day at work and everybody's like around a conference table and you walk in and they're like, Here, oh, there's... There's Hugh. He he ate a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't you think it would, you know... Yeah. There'd be an air in the room, a weight, an awkwardness. Odo j- just broke the biggest taboo for the first time of his culture, and uh, it doesn't really carry that much weight.
1: I mean, yeah, it does and it doesn't. Like, right. They've set up in the right... That's what. It's a rule that they made that it's a big thing, but it just doesn't seem to be like it's played as hard as it should have been for the episode.
3: Well, how many... How many cast members do you think have
1: killed people? All of them.
3: Oh, uh, wait. I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. Like, Kira and O'Brien, definitely, right? Yeah. And Julian due to gross negligence. Yeah. <laughs> but not... He's, that's he's, not he's not lost an, a lot
1: of patience, maybe, but he hasn't... Yeah, but yes. that's
3: not intentional murder. That's... that's. Mm, he was probably hung over from chasing tail. <laughs> Still negligence, yeah. But
1: okay, so like, and then uh, Cisco's been at war. He's he's killed people.
3: Yeah, but was that? I mean, you're
2: okay. So Dax has definitely killed people because she killed the Klingon, right?
1: Oh yeah. Well, and she's had like eight lives. No, well, she didn't kill. No, she didn't.
2: But she's she didn't kill some of those guys on the way to kill the Klingon. No, they were no, because pun- they
3: were judo punching.
1: She's were- judo, but all the other Klingons were killing, and she was hitting the maim. It kind of
3: so Jadzia herself has never killed anybody. But I her think her she has
1: also probably
3: the deck symbiote is maybe never killed. Anybody. Well, except for the serial killer.
2: Yeah, yeah that's I true. feel like,
1: Oh, good point. Curzon's been at war and stuff. Probably too. She's had enough lives that some of those people have killed people.
2: Okay. So who else has killed people? And this is an interesting game.
1: Um, Eddington. Sure.
3: Um, he looks like he's got people in his
1: basement (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, he's
2: dropping
3: lotion in a basket
2: yeah
1: he met a
3: girl on tinder and they never saw her again
1: Oh um the bully probably not he's a little too trigger happy
3: yeah i mean i think probably a lot of these haven't and so yeah i mean you're joining a club and i get that you don't want to unpack all that in the last scene you're you guys are sort of like i mean i think you guys are right i think you guys have have a bit of a point that it is But the only defense I have, and it's not a good defense, is that they deal with it a lot in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So it's not like a like a dropped thread.
2: Maybe that's a case of less is more than in this episode. Maybe you, you have him alone in a room thinking and like maybe the lights are out or something, but you don't have him go into a room full of co-workers at the end and, and have to have the coworkers have a uh, you know. Yeah, well maybe okay.
3: It's a, okay. It's no no, this is what you this is what you do. Like if I was gonna Go back to season one and fix the episode. Then maybe you don't have that scene where everybody's in the lunchroom. You actually have Kira realizes that Odo's not around, goes to Odo's room or in his office, and he's just alone. And she, he can say, he can give a little bit more of an indication of his emotional state. That could be a little bit more gratifying to us. And he could still say to her the, we're everywhere, it's too late line. Yeah, yeah. And you could do both of that, and it would be a little bit more of an intimate yeah. situation.
1: I actually thought the thing at the end, I I mean, the complaints that me and Hugh have been making, I do think they did do a certain amount of it. Kira does say Odo's been in his room for like two days. He hasn't spoke since we got back. They do say that he hasn't he hasn't talked to anybody since um, we left Sin space or something. Mm-hmm. And so he walks into that conference room and Rene Aubergin was a good enough actor where you can tell that he's haunted. Yeah. And maybe I think you mentioned this maybe a second. It, it is like he's chosen a side because he's like a captain. Yeah. because He's a captain now. Mm-hmm. Even though in the opening credits he's still Commander Cisco, uh, just pointing that out. I actually watched him, uh, yeah. and it's still Sadiq El Fadil. But anyways.
3: yeah, yeah, this is the last Sadiq El Fadil episode too.
1: Oh right, but what was I saying? Oh, he's haunted, and he goes in and says they're everywhere. I thought that they did show that he was a little bit haunted, a little bit by something. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I think you're right. I just think it's a bit of muddiness on a pretty tight script. Yeah. At the end. So I. I right. I, I do. I Just in general, I like we're getting this shit moving. Oh, we're getting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I uh,
1: can I tell you, maybe it's, we're near the end now. I can tell you why I went back and maybe wasn't as big a fan of this episode. Why? Hit it. Is because I watched the next episode and it's fucking amazing. Oh,
0: yeah. oh, oh,
3: oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, oh, plot twist. <laughs> right. Season four, episode one. Yeah. Like uh it's uh it's it's everything I like in Star Wars. Trick. Yeah. All right. Like, well, I don't remember what happens next. So
2: don't yeah, don't uh, ruin it. I
1: won't it ruin me. it. I'm just saying I watched ahead because like, oh I that was a good episode. I want to watch more Deep Space Nine. I'm gonna watch and it's the neck it's the beginning of the next season. And it's like, oh my God. That was oh the people that say don't watch still season four, they're wrong. But I see why they say that because season four starts off so great.
2: Yeah. Okay. Do you guys want to get into guessing the stars on this finale?
1: Um,
3: Other than Lawrence Pressman? uh, I I do like he's been on multiple episodes. He was in second skin. I like this guy. I like the workers in these episodes. And this guy's a great Hollywood worker. He is still making movies. He's in a movie this year where he's playing uh, like Omar Bradley or something. That guy's a worker. He's he's one of the greats. He's been leads. I met the IMDb stars. (laughs) uh, I know. But I Lawrence Pressman is good and he's good in this. He's the changeling. He rocks ass. He was the guy in Second Skin. He rocked ass in that, too. Yippee, Lawrence, Lawrence Pressman. Okay, that's it. Okay, I um, as far as what I would guess... 8.0. See, I feel like you, you, you invited me to go low, so I'm going to take it. 7.8. This has got
2: 674 votes, and it's at 8.2. Oh, shit. All right.
3: Going low was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like it's the end of the season. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm gonna
2: look. I'm gonna look real quick the season two and see what the rating was for that in comparison, as far as you're, you're compare doing... it with the Jim Hadar. How... Yeah, oh
0: yeah. That's it.
2: People gave that one an eight point five. Hmm. And season one finale, as I think that was the one where Kai Wynn
1: yeah.
2: yes. Had some shenanigans uh, in the hands of the prophet. Was an, a seven point eight.
1: It's hard to follow a duet.
2: So yeah, it didn't feel like this. This episode didn't have quite the punch. I didn't think of uh, the Jim Hadar did because the Jim Hadar. Yeah,
1: I don't think it. It sets up that most of the punch is in the final line of the episode where yeah, we are everywhere is a big oh. They're like we're not fucking around. It's going to be all like weird changeling dominion stuff. Yeah, weird yeah
2: paranoia.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, I, you know, I mean, that's not I mean, obviously they got it from the thing, but that's also sort of the key element to to Battlestar Galactica, too. So I think we're trying to. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, Sort yes. of draw parallels between the two, yes, is that this is where a lot of uh, the emotional beats between what comes later, oh, yeah, and, and, I, yeah, and Battlestar is. A, I can't is, believe is big.
1: obviously, yeah, it's silent. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it can look like anything.
3: Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah so it's a uh, this, uh, I agree with the 8.2. I think this is an uh, upper tier episode, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I think you guys make a point, but. I watched this episode twice and I felt giddy about it. But I will say with Wade's right, the way of the warrior, the next the episode season, episode four is probably I, I would even I don't know if I want to justify it as being one of the best Deep Space Nine episodes because I don't know if it is, but it's one of my favorites.
1: I, I'd go so far to say it's up there. It's one of the best Star Trek Movies, yeah, because <laughs> it's it's a, they don't even bother splitting it up on Netflix. It's, it's like an hour, and it's it, it's like yeah, two it's, hours. All right,
2: so we probably won't for the first for our episode, right?
1: Uh, probably not. Probably yeah. not.
2: Yeah, yeah. It
1: might be a double double long episode if it has to be. But mm-hmm.
2: you guys have any other thoughts before we get into priority transmissions?
1: Oh, uh, we got well, we got it. I guess we have a white episode coming up, a white album.
2: Yeah, next. Yes, yes, we will mm-hmm. be doing our. F- Famous patented white (laughs) album episode. (laughs) Yes. Right, okay. So, on to priority transmissions then, right, gentlemen? Yes. All 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 right, Captain.
1: There's something you
0: need to know. The changeling, before he died, he whispered something to me. Go on. He said...
1: You're too late. We
0: are everywhere.
1: All right, and yep, here we are in our uh, next segment, our uh, messages communal with the Great Link, our feedback segment, whatever we're calling it. Um, oh, oh, this is for um, the season finale. Y'all have any further comments about? Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, this is going to air on The Adversary.
1: Yeah. How about that adversary, boys?
3: Woo-wee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got... Uh, I mean, I guess we can preamble by going that, like, these things get more fun, uh, for us at least, in uh, the next few episodes. Yep. That I, I, I'm looking into the future, and I'm pretty certain of the results. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right.
1: Yeah, so this is... All right, we can jump right into uh, this. We've got a voicemail here from Greg. <laughs>
4: Hey, this is uh, Greg from North Carolina. I was calling first off to say uh, I've been wrong about the placement of the Hippocratic Oath, the Bashir episode, where I've been like, oh, there's going to be good things coming. You'll see how great he is. Soon at the end of season four, not season three. I feel a little dumb about that. Uh, second, after listening to you talk about facets, I realized something, and I'm not sure if that was something that was cut or you guys didn't think of it. This is another Jadzia episode where there's a lot of people talking about Jadzia Dax and she's not really doing a lot herself. And part of that's the structure. You know, she's there to learn about herself from the different facets of her personality uh, from the other people. But it's still a little weird to have another Zia, where it's like, oh, well, you know, Zia isn't she interesting? We'll tell you that she's interesting instead of letting her be interesting. <laughs> and that's not really a great look. Even when it makes sense to go, like, oh, yeah, this little hand gesture from me, you got your interest in this from me, and it's certainly part of her character. It's not really good that Terry Farrell basically is standing around going, oh, okay, that's interesting. I guess that's who I am, to the other actors who are doing the funny voices. It's not a bad episode. Like I said, it's part of the structure as opposed to other episodes where you talk about her and it's like, why is she not more involved? But it still is part of an unfortunate trend of Terry Farrell having to sit there and either be unconscious while other people talk about her or be told how she is and who she should be. You know, she's not the great actress, but she's also not really being well served by the writing and that means that it's hard for display what acting still she has or even grow what acting still she has uh anyway that's it have a good day
1: all right yeah Bassets. yeah it's not the worst
2: uh, well <laughs> i think that's a tagline for the episode too. <laughs> um no he makes up a good point it's just like if you want to ever show a jet zia centered episode where she shows some agency uh this isn't it yeah <laughs> Mm -hmm. facets is not the episode for you yeah he brings up some salient points and i didn't you know i guess i didn't think about that in the moment but
1: yeah i mean at the end she's like no it's okay that you're a creep that is totally humbert humberting lowly leading after me i'll sit on your lap you can sit on my lap forever when i reintegrate you because i didn't know that was a thing until now I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to think about that episode.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, and we are forgetting there are a couple of good, like, specifically butterloaf that I always talk about as a good Jed Z, like, an episode where Jed Z shows agency and does, the, except for the end, yeah. which is a little squishy. But like, well, she
1: does. Nobody else. ever. everybody else just forgets about it the next episode.
3: Well, no, but like, you know, she she had a chance to kill someone and she doesn't. Oh like, yeah,
1: good point. Yeah,
3: and it was kind of her job, but yeah, like, she should have no. eaten his
1: heart. I get it. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> Yes, she should have eaten that motherfucker's heart. And that would have been awesome. We have seen women eat hearts on TV, and it's awesome. We should try that.
1: Wait, where did uh, we see it?
3: <laughs> Game of Thrones, bitches. Oh, okay. I Jet Zia, mother of dragons. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Jet Mother of Dragons text. But no, I like, yeah, I agree. I still think that the the continuing problem is not the the, the show, the people, the writers, the directors, the show is not working with her enough i think up until this point to really like she could be i think she's better than i mean I, I, you know you made you you hired her you know like work <laughs> with her you know like yeah, yeah. like i, I went there when you hired her i might have told you no
1: i think i think but i you know yeah well you just they just missed her i like terry farrell i think as a person as a person i she think seems, she, she has a good she seems like a great person she has a good look <laughs> she's not, not great. i don't mean that in a creepy way uh, <laughs> I mean, i'm not <laughs> talking like she's oh a look or no, no 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 yeah, yeah i know
3: yeah. and to be honest with you they don't sexualize her that much no they don't yeah yeah so like i mean we talk but we don't they don't do it a lot right she she's not chase masterson <laughs> right right
1: yeah renee Auberginois has a great look <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes,
3: yes. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. It just takes on a different context when you're saying yeah, it about Yeah, like I mean it sounds
1: slimier if it yeah, but, yeah, you know, but that's not no, no, what, no, no, that's got, not what I meant, man. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: no. I got you. Yeah. No, I I think that it's it's getting better. facets was just I, I don't know, like it was one of those episodes that like, you know, after you get some removed from it, you're like, uh.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I think about it because it's like, oh, it, it's a big Dax episode, but it's it's yeah it's not well, whatever. I think we covered it. <laughs> he also talked about a Hippocratic Oath being at the end of Season 4 instead of Season we 3. We may or we may it, or may not
3: have watched that already. <laughs> yeah, and we it's at the beginning not. of
1: Season 4, not the end. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, well, you'll hear about that later. We
3: have opinions, yes.
1: <laughs> yes. And y'all ready to move on? Yep. Yep. All right, we got another message here from our other good friend, Adam P. Newton. Drive time. Drive time. Drive time with a Y (laughs) on uh, Twitter. I don't know. (laughs) All right.
5: Hey there, fellas. It's Adam P. Newton, also known as at Drive Time on the Twitter machine. And I want to call in and say that I, too, love Explorers. Um, Watching the episode, again, made me realize for the first time why I really loved Benjamin Cisco, it's because he's an amazing space dad. And the relationship that he has with Jake reminds me so much of the one that I have with my father. He's a great dad. He loves me. He supports me. He always has. But he and I have never really had that many things in common. So is a military man, Starfleet man. When his kid said that I don't want that for myself, I want to be a writer assistant. I said, "Cool, kid. I love you. I support you. Go get them." And that's kind of what I, that's the relationship I have and still have with my dad. We don't have a lot in common. We chose different career paths, but he loves me. He supports me, and he also has kick-ass for hair. So, um, <laughs> love you guys. Thanks for a great podcast. Talk to you later.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to respond. That's, I'll let the two dads feel that way. That's I, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: yeah, yeah. That's that's why we like the show. They're three dimensional characters that people can r- relate to with their real life experience.
3: And I, I, I will say, just as a follow like my kid's ten, so I haven't like he's not making like real like. He's he's not making life decisions that are, are going to cost me money. Uh, he's trying to hook you up
2: with women. It's, the problem is, is you're still married. <laughs> That's the super weird thing yeah. about it. <laughs> I don't know. He he's was trying very, to set uh, you up on blind dates all the time.
3: But me and me and my wife when we left uh, when we left Wonder Woman this weekend, me and my wife were talking about the the scared fighters together, and he was like like we were. The, the, how they how they looked and the general feeling, and he was like, "You got, like he was uncomfortable with me talking about other women," and so I was like, "And I was talking about to my wife," like, <laughs> and, and so I was like, "Oh, okay, okay," because <laughs> he's all, like all kids have the like caretake the, the commitment. No, I I will say that one thing that um after like because he's he's young, he's not making really bad decisions yet, but. Actively supporting your kid, despite whatever they want, is a lot harder to me than I thought it would be. <laughs> like, I thought like, and I, I, I totally see the need for it. It's a, it's a commitment that you have to, you know, you, you have to, you know, you have to commit to. But you know, when I was a kid, I was like, it's pretty simple, Dad. Just leave me the fuck alone and say <laughs> good job. And like, no, it is actually harder than that <laughs> because you do have an investment that you don't, you don't realize. Like, I don't know you have an investment in their future in a way that you don't think that you're da- like, I didn't think my dad had an investment in me mm-hmm. and he did. I mean, and my dad's an you know, he's not like, He's not like some distant man. I talk to him like every week, and you know, he's we have a great relationship. So, well, but plus, like
2: you know, he spent all that money on tennis lessons, and he expected you to win Wimbledon. So he had a financial. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, he sure did. He sure did. Basically, I had Tiger Woods' father <laughs> um, as a dad. No.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, as someone that knows you and your dad, that that's funny to me. That's yes. yeah.
3: <laughs> no, so I, but I, it is, it is, it it is a little bit more active to like. You know, because I I do like I do fear that my kid's gonna like I'm, I I would I, I you know I don't know I want to write I want to write uh, scholarly works about Anne Rand and how great she is. <laughs> do you support me, Dad?
0: <laughs>
1: you're afraid of getting an Alex B. Keaton Is what, <laughs> what you're saying I am so afraid of having my kid be a libertarian that's not like, Hey funny. dad I, <laughs> I was on the YouTube and this Sargon of Arcade guy man He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great
3: I'm really into Stefan Molyneux. when I'm thinking about Becoming an anarcho capitalist <laughs> I'm like fuck you Because he's, a, he's perfect for it He's like middle class white boy Raised in a two parent home that's relatively taken care of He has everything he wants So obviously when he turns 20 and he hears about people having struggles. He's just going to think they not they're not fucking working hard for it, <laughs> and, and that obviously, like he, you know, so like it's exactly the kind of person who becomes a libertarian. Right. And I'm worried about that. But no, I'm also worried about him, like you know, you know, having babies and you know, like knocking girls up and stuff. But you know, it's it's weirder to it's it's yes, being a good dad is harder than you think it is. I think is my point. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good (laughs) note to end on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think y'all
1: are good dads, but, you know, what do (laughs) I What do we got next, Wade? Uh, Let's see. Oh, oh, uh, hey, look at that. We got another one from Adam. Oh, really? (laughs) Double dipping. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. But people have been doing them shorter, which is nice. We've got these like minute, minute and a half, which, I mean, let's be honest here. If you come in with one idea, we're more likely to notice it. If you come in with five, we're. We might notice one. of. We're going to talk about the last one. We're
3: like Trump. We're like, (laughs) we only noticed the last thing that was said. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. uh, Here we go.
5: Hey there, fellas. It's Adam again. And um, this is for all those IMDb minis who did not like Explorers. You can go fuck yourselves. That was a really (laughs) good episode. Good storytelling. uh, Good character exposition. A little bit of world building with the Bajorans and the Cardassians. It's a good episode. It may advance the story down down the lane or whatever, but it talks about real people doing real things in real relationships. And it's definitely better than some of that horse shit that DS9 yeah. gave us to the Riker and Deanna Troy sometimes. Thanks <sighs> nice guys.
2: Well, that seemed like something he just had to get off his chest. And I think we just see <laughs> I'm glad we were able to facilitate The space for him to do that. I don't think we need to add anything else to that. (laughs) All right, Adam. Good on to you for getting that off your chest, buddy. The the explorers haters better better uh come strong or not at all after
1: that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They better bring shooters. All right. All
1: right. Well, that's all we got for that. We want to go ahead and uh close this thing out.
3: Yeah, hit it. Yeah, motherfucker.
1: All right. Well, do we have any plugs to make? Just the usual.
3: Yeah, I I just moved, so everything's backlogged on being more productive. All right. Yeah. uh, On my YouTube and stuff. So I'm I'm officially now moved. It's it's set in a different city, but uh, hopefully I'll get to situation normal very soon, where I'll be living a normal routine.
1: All right. So yeah, go to Forever James's. On YouTube. You
3: watch the same video that hopefully you've already watched.
1: Yeah. Well, it's an hour long. Some of them haven't watched it yet.
3: Yeah, you haven't watched it all. I, I know how many people... I, I don't know which ones, but I know that m- a lot of people haven't watched it all.
1: Yeah, it's some <laughs> some people might be new to the podcast. They don't know where to go yet.
3: Yes, Forever James's, uh is my uh, YouTube handle. I, uh, I have a video up there that should be... Fun, and it's about race science. Everybody loves arguing about race science.
1: Yeah. Hey, our uh, all our race scientists listeners, you're gonna love it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. So it's on a you know very uh, very populous normal topic that everybody likes talking about.
1: Uh, uh, all right, uh, Hugh, you've got yeah.
3: I've got my uh,
2: weekly comic strip that you can check out at crimesagainsthughesmanatees.tumblr.com. Also, older comics are updated daily on the Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter. Uh, I have a Patreon campaign that some folks, if you like supporting comics, can find my work there and support me there. It's uh, www.patreon.com backslash C-A-H-M, or you can just you know, hit crimes against humanities in your Google machine and one of those things will pop up. So there you go. All
1: right. And, uh, I got nothing. If, if you love me, look me up on Twitter and you can find the stuff I do in New York. Uh, <laughs> that's
3: about it. All right. All right. Also you you have a podcast where you, you watch deep space. Nine. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: I do have this podcast. You might have heard <laughs> it's it. It's called <laughs> the rules of acquisition. Uh, leave me, uh, YouTube review or uh, or a uh, iTunes yeah if you want to re- oh yeah we'd like that or if you want to review us on YouTube and get a bunch of do that too I don't, I don't care mm-hmm. do whatever you want so, click and subscribe subscribe that helps out do all do all the things everybody asks you to do <laughs> that's all
3: yes
2: all right well thanks again for listening to the rules of exposition we'll see you next week three to beam out
0: do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their earholes holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 that number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong, So feel free to do that, James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.